Yeah. Welcome to the Slipstream. I'm your host, Brent Houston. And, of course, you can find me on a whole bunch of sites out there on the internet. But uh, this particular podcast is uh, part of notquiterandom.com. Notquiterandom.com, which, (laughs) unfortunately, uh, is still under redesigned but uh you know the old sites up there was a started a blog but uh the new site is sort of a combination of all the brands that i represent and work with and all the companies many of the companies that i own and uh am invested in so uh that'll be coming soon watch for that we'll be aggregating a lot of it and this edition of slipstream gonna be a little bit different uh, we had some really good response from the first three episodes, but people, uh, the audience have asked me, a couple of folks have talked to me about really going deeper than just what am I reading, what am I listening to, to talk more about some of the mental models that I use or, you know, some of the things that I do and, and go a little bit deeper. So I think we're going to change this up and try... Uh, diving a little bit deeper, and we'll do that tonight on this podcast episode. We're going to talk about why I never have, mentally, I don't count the value of any of my businesses at more than a dollar. So, let's jump into that for a minute, and let's talk about where that comes from. So, Back in the late 80s, early 90s, as I started building my first few companies as an entrepreneur, and I've owned and started many companies over the years. Uh, Microsoft is, of course, the longest-running one, but uh, I've owned and started all kinds of different companies, software, technology, consulting, services, businesses, uh, some off the wall businesses that will save maybe for another podcast. Um, but, uh, as I sort of built those businesses, uh, one of the things I never did was I never really thought about the value of any of those businesses at the exit. So a lot of entrepreneurs, when they start building a company, Uh, particularly this became popular after the dot-com bubble. They really are plotting already what the exit's going to be. And this is really an important thing if you're going to raise venture capital, of course. uh, That's a whole different sort of loop that you have to jump through. Pardon me while I take a sip of my cranberry lime soda. But, uh... If you're going to raise money for a business, venture capital in particular, you really have to sort of think about what the value of the business is, uh, what the value of the IP you're creating is, and you sort of have to have the business net worth, if you will, sort of in mind and, and evaluated continuously because you're raising money against it. Uh In all the businesses that I've built, I have bootstrapped all but a couple of them. And 
bootstrapping, while certainly more difficult, slower to start, uh, it, it takes you to a different paradigm because now it's your money on the table. You don't have the dilution of equity and control. And you're not trying to invest someone, impress someone who's going to invest in the company. Instead, you're building a product or service aimed at a dedicated market, and you're simply trying to progress that product and increase the value of the product in the market. And you're doing that organically. Now, most entrepreneurs, as they start to build their business, they continually think in terms of the value of the business. And they'll oftentimes think of that as a multiplier of whatever their net revenues are, or in many cases, their gross revenues are. And a lot of times, this is the trap that they fall into as entrepreneurs. They fall into it because they start to focus on the future value of that exit. And they build, oftentimes, their personal net worth based upon that exit, the future value of that exit. Now, that's a little bit of a trap because you're, you're constantly focused on this future value, but you don't have that value in hand. And if you never get that value, if, the, if something else comes uh, in the way, or you've heard, probably heard you know, that many people see their big exit as a unicorn. Well, I don't believe in unicorns. So if that unicorn doesn't ever show up for the folks that do believe that and are banking on that and make their life choices based upon that, then all of a sudden, these are the entrepreneurs that often find themselves bankrupt or disillusioned or they end up selling their business for pennies on the dollar and it doesn't quite make the lifestyle, the future value that they built the business for. And so early on, I just sort of thought, I want to avoid all of that. I, I don't want to get stuck in needing a unicorn for any of my businesses that I'm building. And so my solution to that was never to let myself think about the business as being worth more than a dollar. Now, there are pros and cons to this, and we'll explore some of them here. But the pros of that, for my sake, and I, and I, I can't talk about what other people do or or, you know, how they would feel, or if there are other entrepreneurs that do this, I can't talk about how it's worked for them. I don't have that experience. I can just tell you how it's worked for me across multiple companies over the last, now almost 30 years. Gosh, 35 years now. Um, it, it forced me, by locking into that framework what I call the dollar value business framework, it forced me to start to, yes, continue to build my business, 
but to build my lifestyle and my net worth outside of that business and to see that as separate things. And so as I started other businesses and I built them to certain levels and, and now you know they're operating semi-autonomously or with their own you know teams and staff, each one of those, I would think of them only as a value, an in-state value of a dollar. And that kept me continually focused on creating more value day-to-day in those businesses rather than in the long term when an exit came. It also helped me begin to focus more on the customer experience because sometimes if you're thinking about that future exit, particularly if you've got venture capital in play and you're, you know, you're you're playing different scenarios with equity, you're you're looking at that end state and the end state goal begins to drive the business. It becomes the focus of the business, the purpose of the business. And using this dollar value business framework, it allowed me to stay focused on providing more value to clients, the actual customers of each of the businesses, so that I could derive more revenue from the businesses And that would put more revenue into the business. It could grow and thrive. But even that structure, it would force me to then take some value from the business and build value outside of each one of the businesses in order to support a lifestyle. Now, this worked very well for me over the last 25 years in particular. And... The pros of that, of course, is you start to have different businesses, different investments, different platforms, multiple streams of income, and each one of those multiple streams of income is independent from the others. And it allows you to build a lifestyle and in order to build net worth, wealth, outside of any given business and outside of an exit down the road, this this grandized image of an exit down the road. And for me, that was a very powerful thing. Now, I've owned businesses where people came by and would try to buy the business. Uh, I've gotten offers for all kinds of, of different companies that I own or am invested in. And what's nice about this model is it it gives me the flexibility to sort of stoically look at those offers for exit. And I can create and craft the type of exit or the type of transaction that I want. Because I'm not dependent on that exit, that transaction for lifestyle, for retirement, for my net worth. It also psychologically and emotionally isolates me from any of the businesses. I am not 
just the CEO of MSI. That's not my identity solely. I'm not the chief officer, the chief insight officer at Bodhi Foundry. That is just another part of what I do. And so as you think about how that changes my vision, my personality, my who I am, is not tied to any one of these things because I see them as investments and I try to manage them as investments. And I try to manage them as parts of a greater portfolio. And so for me, that has been a very powerful thing. It's allowed me to create flexibility in areas of my life and in interactions and potential transactions that other entrepreneurs didn't have. And so it's allowed me to walk away from some deals that other people would have thought was ambitious or would have thought was what, what was the, the end goal. But it came with strings or ties or conditions that didn't meet my lifestyle requirements. That those, those folks who were trying to make the acquisition wanted to impose. But what they didn't understand was I didn't need that transaction. And so I had enough flexibility in my life that I could say, no, that's okay. Because to me, mentally, the value of that business was a dollar. And I'm not going to sell my freedom. I'm not going to sell my optionality for a dollar. Now, all that said, there are certainly some downsides as well to this uh, sort of metal, mental model and, and application. The downsides are, of course, you have to take resources out of the business. So as the business generates resources, maybe another entrepreneur who's building and building and building and hoping for that unicorn exit would fully flow all of those profits back into the business and they would maybe they would continue to push and and they would uh, you know grow the business in areas that we did not, my wife and I did not pursue simply because we were conservative in nature, but also because we saw those businesses as generating revenue to create wealth outside of the business. So sure, we reinvested a great deal back in, but we were always careful to take out and invest separately outside in the public markets money to generate the lifestyle and wealth that we wanted. Because for us, any given business was simply some portion of a greater portfolio. So there are some downsides. Perhaps other entrepreneurs would say, you know, if you didn't have five businesses, six businesses, whatever the number is that you were running, if you weren't a parallel entrepreneur, and instead you just stuck to doing this one thing and you put everything in there and all your resources in there, man, look, it might have grown into a billion-dollar company. And the next thing you know, maybe you have this huge public company. But for us, my wife and I, and certainly for me, that was never what I wanted. It was never a question of wanting to have this huge conglomerate company 
or this huge company with a lot of employees that was trying to go public. Because for me, from the time I started my first businesses, it was all about creating value. Creating value to build wealth and lifestyle outside of the business. And so it allowed us to sort of see it that way. And, and all of that mental difference has meant the, just a huge difference in the amount of freedom and optionality in our life. So as you start to think about building a business or a portfolio of businesses and investments and uh, maybe you're writing software or applications, this is one of those decisions that you have to make and think about where you're going to go. Are you going to attempt a single thread Build one business and throw everything into that in hopes of a big exit? Or are you going to sort of build a portfolio of businesses and manage those businesses and their resources as a part of a portfolio? And I know that's a big choice to make and it can be a costly decision. Um, as, as I've covered here. And it's certainly not an easy decision for most folks. Most entrepreneurs certainly feel that their big win, their big key way to go is to throw everything in the kitchen sink into getting one business to go and grow and try to shoot for that billion-dollar business. And if that's your vision... I wish you all the luck in the world. Statistically speaking, it's not not uh, you know super likely to happen, but it does occur. It does happen, and businesses do succeed and win. So that's just it. That's uh, that's sort of how I used this model of only allowing businesses mentally to be thought of. As worth one dollar, I will tell you as an aside this one of the businesses that my wife and I do work uh, in is a commercial real estate we We own some commercial real estate for different purposes, and it's hard to think of that business in particular as worth only a dollar because there's all of this real estate behind it. And those real estate assets, of course, appreciate and depreciate. And, uh, they are leveraged and some are leveraged and not leveraged. And so you have this continual changing balance sheet that's unlike a consulting company, a technology company, a company based on IP, where you're drawing uh, cash from, from different soft or virtualized assets, uh, and uh, you're working on those flows. It, it is harder to keep in mind that that business is worth a dollar when there's, there are hard assets there. Um, but it is something that we struggle with and, and we, work, uh, we work for. Um, so if you're in that business, it does, it does work. You can do the same thing. Don't think of your lifestyle and... and and net worth in terms of 
the value of that business, including those hard assets that are behind it. Instead, find ways to use the cash flow of that business or some portion of those resources to build wealth outside of that uh, that construct, whether that's in investing in index funds or uh, you know whatever your investment strategy is or starting another company or uh, in doing angel investing or becoming a venture capitalist uh, if you're if you're very successful um, so that's the pros and cons that's kind of uh, a deeper dive hopefully you liked this new format uh, this was an odd week this week I didn't get to do a lot of the reading. Uh, that I normally do. I was pretty busy working on a couple of projects, which maybe you'll hear about in the future. And uh, I was handling uh, some some personal personal life stuff, uh, but mostly good news. Mostly good news. So uh, we are continuing in lockdown mode. A lot of the states now are starting to open up their uh, different business, and, and folks are getting out more. Uh, my wife and I have really chosen not to do that and to take a more constructive or more conservative approach uh, to that. Um, so I hope everyone out there is healthy and happy. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this deeper dive in this edition of Slipstream. So uh, let me know what you think on Twitter. You can hit me up out there. I'm at LB Houston. Let me know if you like these deeper dive episodes if you prefer to stay at the surface uh, or if there's other things that you want me to talk about uh, my experiences stories uh, how or why I do different things what tools I use that's going to be the stuff that uh, I'm going to try to cover on this podcast and uh, this was the first episode to really take a deep dive in that so all right as always, thanks for listening. We've been here about uh, 20 minutes, and I'm going to let you go. Until next time, take care out there. Be safe. Talk to you soon.